1: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm PJ Doran. And I'm Dave And This week on Pit Pass, we'll be talking to road racer Michael Barnes. Thank you to Moto America for being a sponsor of Pit Pass Moto this year. It's been a wonderful collaboration. We've truly appreciated our involvement with them. And of course, all the racing action that they provide and we've commented on couldn't be happier about it. We look forward to reviewing and talking about their racing this season for a long time to come. Now, here's the latest in
0: industry news in the off road world. Dave, what went down? We had MXGP racing from uh, Italy over the weekend. In MXGP class, 450 class, Antonio Cairoli wins on his home soil with a 2 2 for first overall, followed by Tim Geiser, the points leader, who finished second with a 1 4. Not seen for a while, Clement de the Kawasaki rider from France, went 6-1. He won a second moto. So it was good to see him on the podium. So our points uh, standings at, at this point in the season, Tim Geyser continues to lead with 626 points over Tony Cairoli, who has 553. And, and Swiss rider Jeremy Sewer sits in third with 535. So that's your 450 class results and standings. in MX2, the 250 class, not seen for a while in the front. Yago Geertz goes 4-1 for first overall. The Belgian rider has been on fire. It's good to see. But the guy we haven't seen in a while finished second. Thomas Kier Olsen, the Husqvarna rider, went 1-4 for second overall. Followed by points leader Tom Viel. KTM rider went 2-3 for third overall. So your point standings in the 250 class stand as Tom Viel, the French rider with 693 in first. Followed by Iago Geertz in second. With 620 points in third sits Maxine Renault, the French Riders, 505 points. So that's your MXGP results uh, news. Unfortunately, we do have some bad news to share with you uh, folks. Passed away this last Monday. Racing icon, flat track guru, mad scientist, Babe DeMay, passed away last Monday, October 26th. Just sad, sad news. This guy was really just an amazing tuner bike builder, racer back in the day. Really unfortunate news, PJ. Rest in peace, racer. He was an incredible human.
1: He was referred to with reverence by many people in the flat track paddock, including uh, my good friend who's passed on as well, Trice Welch, as well as Jake Lewis' own father, who sadly has passed on, Bobby Lewis. They, when referring to Babe DeMay, said he was a man with uh, a lot of info, a lot of knowledge. And racecraft, and just a, a real pleasure to be around in the paddock. He will be missed.
0: Yes, he will. I had the—I uh, was fortunate to uh, work with Babe directly, actually, over the years of my past life at Wisco. When he was looking for piston solutions for uh, what I used to call his "mad scientist" engine builds, he would be trying to get the Yamaha engine up to displacement for the seven hundred and fifty class, and we would work some things out with him. And he was just always willing to share and help us. Really, he's uh, just a genuine good guy, and he will be missed.
1: This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, what year did Harley-Davidson introduce the Sportster model motorcycle to their lineup? We'll be back with that answer after we talk to Michael Barnes. Welcome today to Pit Pass. One road racer, Michael Barnes. Michael, thank you for joining us. First of all, what have you been up to, man? Look forward to talking to you about motorcycles.
2: Oh, you know, just uh, staying locked down. and uh, Not really. We've been we've been getting down to the beach, and I've been getting a lot of work done at the house. Uh, you know, we got to take our only voyage this whole year out to Laguna Seca for the bagger race, so that was... Uh, that was a, a a fun fun little trip that really didn't turn out as expected, but uh, we met a lot of great people and we had a we had some good times.
1: And on that note, Michael, uh, sorry to say it didn't uh, go the way you'd hoped. Uh, it happens; it's racing. We know it happens. That doesn't mean you won't give it another effort. I hope you've got some plans. It sounds like to maybe do some more racing next year, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that uh, you know, as long as they're going to you know do the bagger thing, everybody that was involved in in the Bassani exhaust program, and Dino Tomasi and, and Steve Watt. They're both uh, tremendous people and really looking forward to working with them again. The bike would have been competitive for sure. From the testing that we had done, we ran into some issues and our hands were tied to get getting it fixed for the race. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an exciting venture. There's a lot of interest in the whole deal and it kind of opens up the whole spectator demographic a bit and uh you know hopefully some more interest in the road race
0: michael you've got uh experience on many many different types of race bikes over the years purposely built race bikes having won the xr 1200 series i believe so kind of compare and contrast getting on something that was wasn't intended to be a race bike and having to go that pace around a track what's that what's that like for you (laughs)
2: well you know it's kind of like the xr 1200s those definitely were not made for the racetrack but we certainly turned them into race bikes and gave it a go i think one of the biggest downfalls to the harleys were the the rubber mounted motors so it, it, it just without that rigidity of the frame and and uh consistency from turn to turn and you know how much torsion goes through the frame it really throws things off and they wobble and they they just do some strange things so you know i think that's the key is that we have to concentrate on that a little bit more on the handling department but that wasn't our problem this weekend it was more on uh on the engine side but i know these guys and they're 100 percent towards getting this thing competitive and uh putting on a good show
1: and you've got plans outside of uh the the baggers series if it becomes a reality which quite honestly we all hope it does it was uh well received from concept all the way to execution. I thought it was an exciting deal and given more time, I can only imagine professionals like you and the guys you are working with as well as everybody out there could, uh, turn it up another notch. I'm sure.
2: Yeah, there was definitely mixed emotions on it at first. And, but I I think as it turns out and the amount of, amount of, uh, positive reactions that came from it were pretty welcoming. It was pretty cool. And, you know, I'm not really racing, you know, full time anymore, but most likely doing the Daytona 200 again, as long as that pans out and uh, doesn't get canceled again.
1: <laughs>
0: get a run for a watch.
2: Yeah, my old one's getting a little scratched up. I need a new one.
0: <laughs> and yet again, Michael, jumping on probably another different motorcycle. And I read a quote uh, that that uh, referred to you, and I thought this was pretty clever what they said. It said, hard to imagine a rider with more experience getting on an unknown motorcycle and going fast than Michael Barnes. So... When you go to Daytona next year, do you know yet what uh, what bike you're going to be on?
2: Well, most likely, as long as everything stars align and, uh, and the team's still into it, you know we're a little bit in limbo after getting canceled again in, in October. But I believe the desire is to do it again. And that would be with the Squid Hunter Racing team out of Daytona Beach. Peter Strack is the team owner. And that's the bike that I was on in March. And we began qualifying and that's what I was going to ride in October. So assuming that everything stays the same, we should be on the, uh, on the squid hunter R6.
1: So what are you doing, Michael, outside of uh, the racing world? You've got a day-to-day life, same as everybody else. That's probably been deeply impacted this year. Same as everybody else. What have you been up to?
2: Yeah. Well, not a whole, not a whole bunch, no races going on and done some coaching and whatnot in the past, but everything's kind of just kind of just quiet. So I've been working around the house and, that's about it. I got a car I'm working on and just trying to figure out what the next step is. I'm still in that in that mode of transferring from racing to what I'm going to do next.
1: And that is an interesting transition. Uh, lots of guys have had to go through it. Some of them seem to adapt to it a quicker others struggle i hope it goes as easily as it can for you and maybe you get to stay involved in the racing world uh, if you want to you know that certainly is your choice what do you think about what's going on Uh, i mean moto america to their credit this year really put together what we thought was a strong given all circumstances a very strong season uh, with a lot of actual racing going on when other parts of the world really struggled to put it together and now we've put a foot forward into the world stage with our own Cam Beaubier going overseas. What do you think he's, what are your predictions as a seasoned veteran for Cam? Think he's got a shot over there?
2: Oh, uh, definitely. He's immensely talented and, yeah, really excited to to see him going over there. And it's a proven team having Joe Roberts had the success that he had this year. And I'm sure they'll just even grow more for the next season, having Joe move up to the ITAL. Trans team is also really exciting. Robertino Pietri is involved with that. So it's nice to see uh, some of us from this paddock over there. It's pretty, pretty exciting to see Cam going over there. And I believe he'll uh, surprise some people just like Garrett did in World Superbike.
1: Yeah, it's been interesting. Our uh, The involvement uh, of U.S. riders in any of the world uh, championships it's been a little bit blighted, it would seem, in the last, you know, memorable. Uh, since, really, uh, the Ben Speeds days, that was the the last heyday we we had maybe for a, for an American rider. Nonetheless, it's good to see some of our young and bright talent going over there. You mentioned you're working with some racers. Are you working with young guys with this type of stuff as the goal in mind?
2: No, not really. I'm, I'm really not involved too much in, in the racing circle right now. This year, I really haven't done it done anything you know last year when I was with the with the quarterly team and and you know being involved with all the young kids on that team it was always had something to talk about somebody to help somebody to give some advice to but you know that was mainly for my twins effort last year really kind of just taking it easy and you know trying to see see where an opportunity might lie for me right now.
1: That's exciting news. I would I would call it exciting. There's a, It seems there are more opportunities. Doing what we do here, Michael, we, I get to talk to guys who are finding this out, have found it out. There's some interesting ways to stay involved in the motorcycle world, and it, it doesn't always mean being at the racetrack. Uh, we talked to Corey West last week. That guy rides dirt bikes around and uh, shows people where cool spots are to ride, and he's having a ball doing it.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Corey's really put a lot of hard work into that. And, uh, you know, it's nothing better than enjoying your, enjoying your job every day. And and that's, that's what I'm trying to do as well is trying to find something that I'm going to enjoy. And, you know, right now the whole motorcycle industry is, everything's just been on hold. So like I said, I'm just trying to focus on getting everything, uh, straightened around the house and got this project. I'm finishing up on a car and
1: building a hot rod.
2: Uh, I actually purchased a 1970 Nova from from a good friend of mine who was diagnosed with cancer. His name's Jim Zahork and I ran his name on the on the fairing on my bike when he was still alive and he was uh, he passed away about a year after after the 200 that I won and so we've been spending a lot of time together. He bought this hot rod to enjoy in his in his final days and so he needed uh, somebody to take it off his hands. So that's what I'm working on right now.
0: So that's something that kind of feeds that uh, that need to do things mechanical. As motorcyclists, we tend to gravitate towards the garage. I, I know I do. So I think having that car project has got to be like that.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I had to put a window shaker in, uh, in the garage. So I got an air-conditioned garage to work on the car inside, and it's pretty nice. It's not too bad in the middle of summer, Florida, this, this last couple of months would have been brutal without it.
0: But working on a car like that, that kind of project is uh, I, I always say it's the deepest end of the pool, both you know commitment wise and financially. It's usually quite a bit more than most motorcycle builds. Is that true?
2: You can just get carried away, you know, so I liked everything to be nice and perfect, but at one point, I just have to be like, you know this is just a this is just a driver, it's not a show car. I'd take the motor out, which was a new thing for me. I'd never taken a motor out of the car so i took you know took the motor trans out I had to send the motor out got that back putting that in and, and i'm installing an air conditioning system you know it's pretty popular down here in florida's air conditioning system so <laughs> so anyways that's what i'm i'm trying to get done here
1: are you doing any off-road riding at all in your uh well i won't say luxury time but you've got time are you getting out and riding uh in florida at all
2: uh, a little bit you know we uh I get together with, uh, with some buddies up in Daytona and, uh, and we ride, you know, like one fifties, one twenty fives and, you know, just bash each other around and yeah, try to do that as often as possible.
1: Gotcha. So you're not a closet, uh, I got to get gate drops guy. Cause we know those guys too, road racers who, when push comes to shove, they'll go catch a, a local hair scramble or an enduro or anything that involves a flag.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I used to do hair scramble and that's something I've been wanting to get back into, but just haven't gotten around to it. It's on the list to get back into. And I love riding motorcycles and that's probably what I'm missing most right now is just not riding all the time. It used to be a date that you had to be at a racetrack and okay, well, I got to reach this, this date. So, uh, we got to go dirt biking before we have to get in shape and, and get some time on a motorcycle before you go to a race. And now without a race, it's just like, yeah yeah maybe we'll go next week you know it's it it's not quite as urgent to get out there and ride but i do miss it
1: well that's definitely exactly how i feel i am constantly looking for excuses and ways to get on my bike particularly before the snow flies up here in the midwest and sticks around we've had a couple already lucky you you don't have to deal with that so you can ride probably year round i'm jealousy there
2: yeah we wait we wait for the winter to where we can really enjoy the enjoy the riding you know it it can be brutal out here in the summer but regardless you know there's some good places on the west coast we have a park out there it's a croon state park and there's some just miles and miles of trails out there but there's not much in south florida you know there's a couple of motocross tracks but i haven't been on those in a few years try to stay on the ground
1: yeah i don't blame you there and there's some cool uh off-road races uh in florida i know uh I know they start or used to start, let's say, in the previous uh, rendition of off-road racing. They started the, uh, the off-road series, um, the East Coast uh, stuff, GNCC stuff starts down there in Florida, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. yep. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of events. FTR was, was what I was involved with years ago, and that's probably what I'd step into if, if I was going to go racing anytime soon.
1: Right on. Well, Michael, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Is there anybody you want to thank or mention at all while you got the mic? We're happy to give you a chance to do so as we're running out of time, but we want to give you that chance.
2: Uh, just a shout-out to my beautiful, beautiful fiancé and Roberts for always supporting me and being by my side through it all. And I uh, really got to thank everybody involved in the King of the Baggers with uh, Bassani Exhaust, mainly Daryl Bassani and Dino Tomasi. His company the DTF makes all the carbon fiber for our bike. And Steve Watt, Maxwell Industries, just an incredible, uh talented engineer and mechanic. Really looking forward to working with these guys and seeing what kind of weapon they come up with for next year.
1: That's awesome. And Michael, my apologies, I totally forgot that you uh were engaged to Ann Roberts. I pitted next to her years and years ago at the GNF when I was a club racer and she was a club racer. So I'd completely forgotten that. Say hello to her. She won't remember me, but I was pitted next to her. I drove all the way from Iowa, so I was pretty worn out.
2: Right on. You probably got beat by a girl, huh?
1: It happened more than once. I also (laughs) had to race in Elena Myers' heyday, so saying I got beat by a girl was kind of a routine for me in the 600 days.
2: I got beat, too. Elena Myers beat me straight up, so...
1: Oh, yeah. She was unreal, as was Ann Roberts. Fast, fast girl. So... Cheers to you guys and thanks so much for joining us today on pit pass been a
2: pleasure thanks guys talk to you soon
1: this week's pit pass trivia question was what year did Harley-Davidson introduce the sportster model motorcycle to their lineup the answer of course is 1957 the wonderful 1957 a lot of stuff happened that year dave including the sportster
0: yeah, absolutely yeah that was the uh the first year for the xl that was a kind of a benchmark engine for harley-davidson unit construction overhead valves you know everything before that was uh side valve engines flat heads and this was a big leap in technology for harley-davidson to go forward with the sportster they started to add suspension to both ends of the bike. So I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, the unit construction was a big deal, right?
0: Yeah, it was. To have the uh, transmission cast as part of the main engine structure was unique for Harley-Davidson. And actually, for most manufacturers back then, Triumph, Indian, was basically an engine with a separate transmission driven by a belt or a a chain. So to have all that confined into one one casting was... uh, it solved a lot of things made the engine lighter stronger less prone to leak oil
1: yeah not as hard to set up because those uh primary drives really can uh the the external primaries as well as the internals really just make a mess and it makes the whole machine bigger too i mean you're talking adding significantly to the wheelbase
0: yeah absolutely bigger and heavier and that was one thing about the sportster it was a you know it was a light fast motorcycle and it's actually of Of Harley-Davidson's entire lineup, it's uh, got the the highest power-to-weight ratio of uh, any of their models, except for maybe a modified bagger that goes around a road race course. It's it's not quite the same, but uh, it's always been a little bit of a maligned motorcycle. It's not the big twin, and uh, it kind of gets looked at sideways a little bit, but it really is a unique, neat motorcycle, and uh, it's still around. I think it's... Maybe still in their lineup. If it's not, it's, uh, it'd be a sad day. No, it's
1: definitely still around and it's relatively unchanged. At the time that it came out, it's easy to lose track of this now, but at the time it came out, it was the formidable performance motorcycle of its day. It was, it defined what performance was in 1957 until, you know, really until, uh, honda came along with their four-cylinder at the end of the 60s the harley was right there with the european models as far as performance went
0: yeah i would agree it was head-to-head with the bsa's and the triumphs and even the royal infields of that era and uh, it was american-made so it had everything going for it and most of all elvis rode one what a better guy to have on your motorcycle to help sell them in upcoming
1: news we've got some road racing to talk about MotoGP. well we've got six guys essentially in with a shout at this title John Meir sits atop him uh, with 137 points it's only 28 29 points back to the rest of the field covers the rest of the field we've got two races upcoming in Valencia MotoGP this weekend uh, November the 8th as well as the 15th they're doing a double header at that venue and then the final round will be held in Portugal on November 22nd, right before Thanksgiving. So I am very excited to see how this season plays out, see if uh, anybody can make any substantial uh, statement about their desire to win this title because it has been back and forth all season without anyone really taking the the title by the throat. What's going on, if anything, in the off-road world,
0: Dave? Very similar. We've got the last two, the final two rounds of MXGP in Trentino, Italy first one takes place uh wednesday november 4th this week and then uh this following sunday november 8th so we'll probably see some titles decided between now and then there's a big spread between first and second in both of the main classes so don't expect a huge change but it's still racing you never know things could change at any moment hope everybody gets out and watches uh, mxgp this week
1: Thank you again to Michael Barnes for joining us today and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. If you have a moment, please rate and review us as well. We really appreciate it. Make sure to also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our all-new blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Howerson. Chris Bishop, our producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Colt. Now, I'm PJ, and I'm Dave. We'll see you next week. Keep the sunny side up. Sports stars, they're like superheroes, but they're actually real, which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see,